When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. momentum nothing personal word of the day for thursday october 21st also known as my sister samantha's birthday is momentum momentum is a great word that we use inside the clubhouse hey we've got the momentum let's take advantage and then we say ah there's no momentum it's just a game we just lost it let's come back tomorrow momentum depends on whether you've won a game or lost a game it's one of the great words that people use in baseball Momentum in all sports, you feel the momentum changing, they say, in a football game or in a basketball game when you're down eight and all of a sudden you've scored nine in a row. The momentum's changed, all the announcers will say. Well, the Red Sox had the momentum in the American League Championship Series. Momentum. (laughs) How's that going? Do the Astros have the momentum now? Chris Sale takes the mound for the Boston Red Sox. Tied at two. Three-game series. You have to win game five if you're Boston because you're going to Houston for game six or seven. So Alex Cora puts Chris Sale out. Everything's fine. Chris Sale looks good from the left side. His fastball, he's throwing 95, 96. He's got velocity for the first time since Tommy John. His slider is sliding. His changeup is changing. He can't get Alvarez out the lefty DH lefty on lefty. You're supposed to get, that's how it works in baseball. You have lefty lefty. If you're a hitter, you want to face the opposite pitcher, the opposite handed pitcher, your left-handed pitcher. You want to face righty hitters. Say that again. God damn it. Coca 142869. When you are a left-handed pitcher, you want to face left-handed hitters. When you're a left-handed hitter, you want to face right-handed pitchers. That's generally how it works in baseball. But Jordan Alvarez is a lefty DH. He's facing Chris Sale, hits a home run. Astros are up one nothing. Fenway's getting a little quiet. Then Chris Sale can't get him out again. Then Chris Sale's facing him again. And I'm looking at Alex Corris saying, why is Chris Sale still in the game? This entire postseason has been one big pitching change. And yet they decide to leave Chris Sale in to face Alvarez for a third time. And he can't get him out again. The Houston Astros are one game away from going back to the World Series. The Boston Red Sox and Will Middlebrooks are one game away from being despondent because they've overperformed by so much. They've outkicked the coverage by so much this season that greed stepped in. And greed is good. I like greed. And when you get this close, you want to get to the World Series. When you get that close, you want to win the damn thing, because why not? So you start believing everything about your team. You start believing that Kike Hernandez is Babe Ruth, and then the guy can't get another hit. Why do we do that as 
a society. We're so excited to coronate people who do spectacular things, even when the sample size is so small that such coronation is not worthy, not worthy to be bestowed upon someone. The utility player, Kike Hernandez, was hitting 900. He had like 20 hits in his first 18 at-bats. Some unbelievably insane number that's almost impossible to replicate. Joe Buck, the announcer, can't stop calling him Babe Gehrig. I mean, it's it's just on and on. And ever since then, of course, don't worry. I won't let it get to my head. Andre the Giant said that in Princess Bride. Well, I think Kike may have let, gotten it all to his head because the guy can't hit. So what are my takeaways from the American League Championship Series? You can't predict anything in baseball this year. There is such exhaustion with the pitchers. The hitters are so streaky because some days their arms are able to get the bat through the zone faster, and some days their hands are so slow that it looks like they're swinging in slow motion. Some days pitchers have their breaking balls working. Some days they can't get a feel for the ball because there's no sticky substances. No starting pitching whatsoever until Fromber Valdez goes eight innings last night and shoves it up the Red Sox keisters. Shoves it. He pitched more innings last night as the starting pitcher than any starter has pitched the entire postseason. That was the longest start ever. He went eight innings. He pitched more innings last night than any one of the Astros starting pitchers in the first four games combined, including Valdez in game one, by the way, because he pitched game one. So all of Houston Astros starting pitchers in the first four games total had pitched six and two thirds innings. Valdez goes out and pitches eight innings, saving Dusty Baker's bullpen. What a great performance. The Red Sox are down a touchdown. Devers up to the plate. Valdez pitching a shutout. Rafael Devers out of the three hole. Boom. Right by the pesky pole. Home run seven to one. Yay. Red Sox on the board. You never know what could happen. The momentum could be switching. Celebrate. Celebrate good times. It would be he. They put Devers in a laundry cart. Can I tell you what a laundry cart is? Because the Red Sox are doing this this year. In the clubhouse, there are six minimum of those laundry carts. When you walk in after a game, you take off your jersey. You put it in one laundry cart. You put your jock strap and your skivvies in another laundry cart. You put your hat on a hook that gets cleaned, a hook in your locker, so that doesn't go in a laundry cart. The spikes go into a cart and get cleaned by the clubbies. They literally brush all the dirt out of them. And so laundry carts are a part of clubhouse living. And then the players go home and then all the stuff in the carts that gets washed and then puts back in the locker. What the Red Sox have done is they take the laundry cart, they put it into the dugout, and then they put a player in the laundry cart and they wheel them up and down the dugout to celebrate the home run. Teams do all sorts of funny stuff. The Blue Jays had a... I think they had a home run jacket. The Blue Jays did. Some teams have handshakes. They go up and down the dugout with 25 different handshakes that they do when a home run is hit. What the Red Sox have been doing is this cart. 
And I got angry last night sitting in the studio at CBS Sports HQ with some of the great people here, some of the great DLPs and APs and EPs. Everyone's got a P. Everyone's got a producer's name. They put Rafael Devers in the cart when they're down 7 nothing in the late innings of the game. Why? I used to ask my players about that. Why do you celebrate a home run when you're down 7 nothing and you hit a home run in the ninth inning? Or you're down 10-2 to two and you hit a two-run home run in the, with two outs in the ninth to make it 10-4? And you celebrate by jumping up and hitting your shoulders the way Cody Bellinger broke his shoulder during his home run celebration, doing the Mark McGuire, Jose Canseco shoulder smash. Google it, YouTube it if you don't know what I'm talking about. Why? And what the players would say to me is, because guess what? When we go to arbitration or when we negotiate our contracts, no one knows whether or not the home runs matter. They just know we got bulk. We're going to get paid. And I'm not being the fun police. I'm merely saying, act like you've been there before. I'm merely saying, sit down, hit the home run, get down in the dugout and be angry. And Rafael Devers was pissed off to be in the cart. He had the long face as he should. But the Red Sox celebrate being down. And you know what happens after Devers hit the home run? Nothing. Nada. What, they get one walk, Coca? They didn't even get a hit after that. Red Sox lose their one game away. The Houston Astros are going to the World Series. You, you know what? You can't predict baseball. We're trying to bet baseball. For those of you who are fading me, congratulations. It's going well because it's impossible to know who's going to win. Just look at last night's National League Championship game. Did you stay awake for it? It wasn't actually a bad game. Bullpen game by the Atlanta Braves. The guy who was supposed to start the game, when you're a starting pitcher, you go out early in the day and you show up at the ballpark and you start to warm up and you start the long toss. Do you remember we talked you through what pitchers do as they're getting ready to go? Well, Anoa was going to start and he had some shoulder issues, so he can't start. So they start the guy who the night before had given up the game-winning RBI hit to Mookie Betts, a guy named Jesse Chavez. He's starting the next day. God, I love baseball in 2021. So it's a bullpen game. Meanwhile, Julio Urias is pitching for the Dodgers. Everyone's picking the Dodgers. I'm picking the Dodgers. They're favored by more than two to one. The Dodgers are going to tie the series at two. It's going to be a brand new series, two out of three with Atlanta having home field advantage. It's going to be amazing. Dodgers have a chance to repeat. It's all they've obsessed over since they won the title last year. Dave Roberts will admit to you that winning the title this year is even more meaningful because it shows sort of generational skill for that team. Anyone can win one World Series, the Marlins, although they won two in six years, but I'm talking about in a row. The Royals won a World Series recently, the Nationals, the Cubs, and it feels great when it happens, but then you're just a one-and-done guy, and the Dodgers don't want to be that. So Julio Urias starts in the first inning, and I'm thinking, uh-oh, he's not throwing 95, he's throwing 92. He doesn't look so good, does he? I'm looking at him in between pitches, he just looked tired. Dave Roberts has been pitching his starters like Scherzer and Urias in the bullpen. He's been doing exactly what he was told to do and he had to do because this time of year, everybody who starts is also a bullpen arm. Everyone who's a bullpen arm can be a starter. But the downside of that, 
of pitching Urias in game two and starting him in game four, of pitching Scherzer in game five of the Giants series and then turning around and starting him in game two, is that they have dead arm. They don't feel right. Did the Dodgers know they had a problem early? Remember what I told you about Scherzer and the dead arm? Urias knew what his velocity was. He knew exactly how he felt during warmups. And all of a sudden, Rosario hits a home run. Duval hits a home run. The Dodgers try to counter with a home run, but Duval hits it, catches it. Do you know what the front office for the Braves was doing yesterday? At Dodger Stadium, they sit you in terrible seats. The owners get good seats in every stadium. Quick detour here, Coca. When you build a ballpark or when you have an old ballpark, it doesn't matter. You have to submit to Major League Baseball where the opposing team's owners get their seats. And then every owner gets to see where his seats are in each ballpark. And generally, you sit on the inside part of the of the visiting dugout, the toward home plane part. You get some seats behind the dugout sometimes. At City Field, you are on the home plate side of the dugout. The worst owner seats were at Pac Bell in San Francisco, where they would give you seats on the outfield side of the dugout. And that was always very troubling to other owners. And so what we would do is when San Francisco would send its owners to watch us play in Miami, we would not give them the normal owner's seats. We would sit them outside the dugout because we had plenty of inventory. So we would sit them on the outfield side of the dugout because, hey, you do that to us. We're going to do that to you. And of course, they do that because they can sell those good seats and they want the revenue and opposing teams owners don't have to pay for the opposing teams owners visiting box. So I'm picturing the visiting box in L.A. and it's 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 not bad. You get actually you don't get to be in there behind the dugout club because that would be really cool because you get free peanuts and you get to sit near Mary Hart and Dennis Gilbert and maybe sometimes Ashton Kutcher. But they're not bad seats. So I'm picturing the Braves sitting there. And when you have trade deadline acquisitions perform well for you, you just feel so good about yourself. Just like, you know, we've done acquisitions with the Marlins where we traded for guys who didn't work out, whether it was Andrew Kashner or Fernando Rodney. Plenty of them didn't work out, but some of them do. Like Ugeth Urbina helped us get a ring. And when they do, you just say to yourself, you know, we're good at what we do. I never wanted to be that guy, but it's hard to avoid. When you make mistakes with personnel, you say, you know, everybody wanted Wei in Chen. Everybody would have signed this player or that player. Man, did he stink. But when one works out, you say, hey, we knew no one else. No one else knew what Duval could do. Meanwhile, he led the National League in RBI. Meanwhile, the Marlins shouldn't have traded him because they need offense but I guess it means they weren't going to resign him. So Duval and Rosario trade deadline acquisitions have been helping the Braves tremendously because please don't forget the team that is now one win away from going to the world series. Braves are up three to one. First time since 99, they've go to the world series. They're without their best player and their best pitcher. Mike Soroka is their best pitcher. Now you could say that Max Fried starting tonight in game five is now their ace. But Soroka was better, but he tore his Achilles, I think, twice. Acuna, he may not be as good as Freeman because Freeman's done it for longer. 
but Acuna, who got hurt playing the Marlins, actually. I think, what did he do? Did he tear his ACL, Coca? Acuna did something bad to his, to his knee. He's out for the year, yet here are the Braves making it to the World Series. Is it possible they won't? Given the way this postseason has come when you're down three to one, I've been down three to one in a playoff series. Do you know what you do? You walk in to the clubhouse the day of game. And you say to your guys, just today, just today, forget the score of the series. We don't even post what the score of the series is. We're doing two things. We are saying win today. And then we are telling our players to pack for a road trip. So the Dodgers are coming to Dodger Stadium today to play the Braves at five o'clock Pacific time, eight o'clock Eastern. And they are packing for two games in Atlanta. Because if they win today, they get to go to Atlanta for a game six on Saturday. If they win game six on Saturday, they get to play game seven on Sunday. I am purposefully having the team charter leave tonight for Atlanta once we win, settle into the Atlanta hotel and work out on the off day and then get ready for a game six on Saturday. So we're telling our players subliminally, we will win. Now, if you're a wussy owner or president or GM, you tell your traveling secretary, hey, hold off. We're going to fly on the off day because this way the players don't, if we lose, the players don't have to bother packing. We don't have to get the luggage truck. We don't have to get the charter ready. Not me, baby. I want the charter ready to go wheels up. I want the oil to be checked. I want the gas to be put in. I want the luggage truck at the ballpark getting our suitcases as we get to the ballpark. I want the luggage truck loaded and at the airport. That is what I want. If you're the Dodgers, that's got to be your point of view. It's got to be. So I don't get everything right all the time. You know that. And when I make a mistake, please tell me and I'll correct it because you'll correct me. For whatever reason, I said Jason Taylor had the go-ahead RBI in the game two days ago with the uh, Astros. He's the backup catcher. I called him Jason Taylor, and it's actually Jason Castro. I'm sorry. I was thinking about Miami, Jason Taylor. Uh, for those of you fading me with the pick of the day, congratulations. We had the Red Sox winning. They didn't. We had the Dodgers winning. They didn't. We are only 15 games over 500 at 136 and 121. You got to go Dodgers again, right? That's what I wanted to do. So then I said, wait a minute, I'm so cold. I'm going Braves. But now that I'm going Braves, it means the Dodgers are going to win. But I want the Braves to win. But I really want the Dodgers to win because I want the series to go game seven because old habits die hard. And the longer the series goes, the better it is for Major League Baseball. So I'd like to see this series go seven. But the Dodgers have to throw a bullpen game today. Now they've got arrested Blake Trinan and Gratterall. Jansen's ready to go. So they could win, but the Braves have Max Freed. And the Braves have, wait for it, word of the day, momentum. When we come back, we're going to talk about what's going on in Sacramento. And I do not believe we have spoken about the Sacramento Kings since this show started. But what's going on there is perfect, nothing personal fodder. We will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. This is David Sampson. Please go to the YouTube channel. We're going to find a way to go live again on YouTube. Nothing Personal with David Sampson. Hit the subscribe button. I don't know when because I, I'm on CBS Sports HQ analyzing the games pre and post game. So I have to convince Coca to stay up even later. And I'd like to hear from you. Would you be willing to let me go on HQ after a game and then come to YouTube live so we can really talk in detail about these games? I'd be happy to do it. You have to somehow let Coca know, let me know. Get up to like 5,000 subscribers on YouTube and we'll do it. So we watch a movie every day and Coca and I have a good rhythm going as producer and as host of this show. We are we can't live without each other when it comes to business. And when it comes to movies, we do not have a huge intersection. He has certain movies that he loves. I have certain movies that I love. When I tell him to watch a movie, he will generally say, no, I will not watch that by definition. Not interested. And when he tells me to watch a movie, I'm going to watch it because I'm the one who has to review a movie every day. So I'm watching a movie every day. And I love watching a movie every day. He told me to watch a movie called Lorelei. So I spent the money, Coca. I rented it for $4.99. It stars Lev Schreiber's half-brother named Pablo Schreiber. I think it's Schreiber, not Schreiber. It stars Jenna Malone, who coincidentally we just talked about because she stars in Goliath season four. I've never had to do this on the air before during the show, Coca. I have to do it. Hold on. I just sneezed. Excuse me. That was the that was a first. What episode are we in? 468. And that was the first on air sneeze I've had. Where were we? Coca. I have no idea. We're talking about uh, Marvin Bagley. Sacramento Kings of the review. Jenna Malone. This is not rehearsed, folks. I promise you, it's just me and Coca. So Jenna Malone was in Goliath season four. She plays a single mother of three kids whose childhood boyfriend has just gotten out of prison and gets back into her life. And this is a character study in people on the edge of despair, on the edge of homelessness, on the straight middle of poverty trying to figure out what decisions need to be made, what went wrong. I love movies that are character studies where there are well-written scenes where people lament what could have been and decide whether it could be again or whether they've, as I like to say, Terry Virts will like this, 
lost the moon. Losing the moon is a concept when you've got a dream. I lost the moon when I was in eighth grade. My particular moon was playing for the Knicks. After my bar mitzvah, when I was still four foot 11, that was it. I was not going to be able to play for the Knicks. During the course of life, we all lose the moon from time to time. The question is when? When do you acknowledge the fact, like Tom Hanks did in Apollo 13, that you've lost the moon? Well, Lorelei is a movie about that moment and about whether or not you have to give in to that moment. If you want to check out Lorelei, you should. Coca, you were right. Love the movie. He has another suggestion for me, which I'm going to try to get to in the next day or two, called Blue Bayou. That's on the list, Coca, I promise. Okay, wait to see is when we tell you something's going to happen. Sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. And uh, we'll revisit it because that's what we do. I want to talk about Marvin Bagley. Not Marvin Webster. Marvin Bagley. He was a top pick. Where'd he go? Duke, Coca? Was he one of those one-and-done Duke guys or Kentucky? One of those. Duke. Drafted by the Sacramento Kings. That's a NBA franchise in Sacramento. I believe their provenance is they came from Kansas City because it was the Kansas City Kings. Kevin Johnson, the erstwhile phenomenal point guard, not top 75, but a great point guard for the Phoenix Suns, is now the mayor of Sacramento. They're trying to get a ballpark or an arena. Anyway, not much news about Sacramento. They hired the former Lakers coach, Bill Walton's son, Luke and Laura Walton, coach of Sacramento. Why is this getting my attention? Because Marvin Bagley's not playing. This is a top draft pick. We're in the NBA. If you're a top pick, you're going to want to play. Otherwise, it's a bust pick. So I guess that that's okay. Must not be a good player. And then we get a statement. Jeff Schwartz is an agent in the NBA, an accomplished agent. And you know I'm not an agent guy. And this agent did something that is so outrageously funny that it made me smile. Jeff Schwartz released a statement. Sacramento has informed Marvin Bagley, who's his client, he is not in the opening night rotation, which is completely baffling. It's clear they have no plans for him in the future and yet passed on potential deals at last year's deadline and this summer. Instead, they chose to bring him back, but not play him. And here it comes. When an agent says this, it's water off my back because they don't know of what they speak at all. This is a case study, big words there, Jeff, in mismanagement by the King's organization. This is a case study in mismanagement. Hmm. Do you know why they're not playing Marvin Bagley, Jeff? Why don't you come out and say it? If you're going to give a statement, acknowledge the reason. Count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven million reasons. If they limit his minutes and games, they can limit his salary under the collective bargaining agreement. Did you know that? I know you did, Jeff. Is that why you're so angry? Because you know that any sort of restrictive free agent qualifying offer to a player like Marvin Bagley, if he doesn't get his minutes, is going to be 50% of what it could have been? Did you know that? Of course you did. That's not mismanagement, Mr. Schwartz. That is management. 
leave off the MIS for savings? Would we choose to not play a player who could help us win in order to lower his salary? Yes, we would. Is it made better when we think that we can go small and we can win like the Kings did opening night? The Kings won last night, Coca. And do you know how many minutes Marvin played last night? Zero. DNPCD. If you can win and hold somebody's payroll and salary down, you're going to do it every single time. As a matter of fact, it's your responsibility to do it. As a matter of fact, it's mismanagement if you don't do it. Now, Jeff Schwartz is trying to keep his clients. He's trying to show that these Sacramento Kings don't know what they're doing. So he has to use big words, mismanagement. I think it's super nice that they even informed him he wasn't going to play. There's plenty of times where we just wouldn't play a player, not tell him why. It's not your decision. When there are incentive-based provisions of contracts. Now, this gets grieved all the time. Do you remember the story of uh, Miguel Rojas, the Miami Marlin player? He had a vesting option based on at-bats. And the Marlins let it vest because they needed him to play, and they did play. And he was their captain, and he was the heart and soul of their team. So they don't want to be known as the unplayer-friendly team. And that just shows you their irresponsibility in terms of payroll and the fact that they're losing all this money. Hey, we lost a lot of money, but at least I was responsible about who we were paying. It doesn't mean all the signings were good. Half our signings stunk, which means those players were overpaid. But the reality is when we could control something, we would control it. I compliment the Sacramento Kings for benching Marvin Bagley. You don't have a God-given right to play. But I'll give you a wait to see right now. Marvin Bagley will get traded. He's going to get his wish. He wants to get traded, even though Jeff Schwartz didn't demand a trade. Because having him on the team not playing, it's going to be bad for morale. Having the word out there in their local community that they're being accused of mismanagement, they're going to have very thin skin. Marvin Bagley will get traded by the Sacramento Kings. The question I have is will Deshaun Watson get traded by the Houston Texans? If you download, in addition, we I ask for an hour 45 of your day on Thursdays. You know I do because I do the local hour with Levitard, and it was with Levitard today. And we spent a tremendous amount of time talking about Deshaun Watson in what was a fascinating conversation that involved Jessica, et cetera. But I have an angle to talk about a nothing personal that we did not get to. Stephen Ross is the owner of the Dolphins. And there are rumors that he is interested, despite what his GM and what his coach want, in trading for Deshaun Watson. When you are an owner, how often do you say to your GM that you want a player signed? You want somebody hired? You know from listening to Nothing Personal how that works, right? You do it plenty. And the reason why you do it is you're the owner. Now, I called it on Twitter something called owner's prerogative. Owner's prerogative is when despite what you're being told by the people around you whose job it is to do that which you are now getting involved in and doing 
and you choose to do something that those people would not do, what you say is owner's prerogative. I'm the owner. I want this deal to happen. So do it. A good employee knows when to let an owner use owner's prerogative and when to push back hard enough to convince that owner not to do it. If our owner, Jeffrey Laurie, wanted to use owner's prerogative to sign Pudge Rodriguez and increase our payroll by a third when we could have allocated that money during the offseason potentially better, we're not going to fight it. When he wants to use owner's prerogative to sign Ichiro, even though probably the juice is not going to be worth the squeeze, which, of course, I was totally wrong about and he was right, going to let him do it. But when there's certain things going on, you say no. You take a stand. Is Deshaun Watson the hill that you are willing to die on if you are Chris Greer and Brian Flores? Or is Steve Ross providing you the cover that you need to acquire this misogynistic potential felon? By trading for Deshaun Watson, what Steve Ross is acknowledging is that tanking for Tua did not work because Tua is not a good enough player. Chris Greer, the GM, by having his owner want a new quarterback, knows that his job is in jeopardy because the tanking for Tua, among other issues that he's had, they haven't worked. The team isn't winning. But on the other hand, you don't want to be known as someone who wants to trade for someone who's in all that types of trouble, who's mistreated women the way he's alleged to have mistreated them. But when you can hide behind the owner's OP, the owner's prerogative, and it's one of the top five quarterbacks in the league who's going to make your team better, you hide behind it so fast your head will spin. If Steve Ross were smart, he would be public right now saying the following thing. But the Dolphins have been silent. Rumors have been going rampant that Steve Ross wants Deshaun Watson. How do you think Tua feels right now that the Dolphins haven't come out and said, hey, we don't want Deshaun. Tua is our guy. Here's what Steve Ross, owner of the Dolphins, needs to be saying publicly. I'm 81 years old, and I have failed as owner of the Dolphins. I have failed you, the fans. I've increased the value of the team. That's good for me and my next of kin. We've changed Pro Player Stadium into Hard Rock Stadium. We've brought tennis and F1. We have made the experience for you that much better. But I have not been able to deliver even one playoff victory since I bought the team in 2008. My football people have acknowledged that our best chance to win this year and going forward is by trading for Deshaun Watson. He's going to have a lot of work to do to rehabilitate himself once he is a Dolphin if we can get this trade done. And I'm okay paying the tampering fine. He will have to rehabilitate his image because here in Miami, we want players of the highest of character but we want to give you a winner. So I'm letting my GM and coach do their job. Why would I want Steve Ross to do that if I'm the president of the Dolphins? Why am I telling him to say those things? Because guess what? If it doesn't work, 
for one of two reasons. One, Watson ends up being not good and the Dolphins still lose. He can fire his GM and his and his coach and no one will say a word and it will deflect off him from being a bad owner. And if it does work, you always get to change the narrative after the fact if you're an owner. And I know it sounds crazy, but when you're an owner, you get to, when things go right, take the credit when things go wrong, pass the blame. Now, Coca and I, Coca does not have the benefit of having heard the Levitard Local Hour because it was just recorded. One of the things we talked about was Steve Ross and his knowledge of the Deshaun Watson situation. There is no team who will trade for Watson without knowing what is going on with his criminal situation and with his NFL penalty situation. You can't. It's completely fiscally irresponsible, morally reprehensible, and silly. I would trade for Watson, by the way, only if I knew I could play him. And only if I knew from the district attorney that charges aren't going to be filed. Only if I had spoken to the opposing lawyer, not just Rusty Harden, but the lawyer for the women, tried to get an understanding of where we are in settlement discussions, where we are in civil litigation. I am doing my due diligence. The delay in the Deshaun Watson deal with the trade deadline coming up November 2nd, which is right around the corner, two weeks from now. November 2nd is going to be a Tuesday. So my guess is that's two weeks from Tuesday or three weeks from two days ago. I may be right or wrong about that, Coco, but I think I'm right. What is happening now is teams are figuring out what is the story with Watson and Roger Goodell has to tell him. He's not going to publicly say that he's giving any information to other owners. But I've called the commissioner many times, dozens of times to find out information about player suspensions, to find out what the thought process was, what I need to be worried about when a manager gets ejected, when a, when a player gets ejected, how many games are we looking at, when there's a DUI, are you going to get involved in this? Will there be a suspension? Because I want to have information. And it's not because I want to be a source or I want to go public with it. It's because that helps inform me how to make decisions going forward. So Steve Ross and every other owner, Steve Ross doesn't have more info. He has the same info that will be available to all 31 owners about what's going to happen. And I say 31 because, of course, the owner of the Texans knows. To me, the Deshaun Watson situation is not even the most important news that's going on in the NFL. And so I wanted to discuss with you something that is a bit complicated, but has significant financial consequences. You're aware of the class action concussion lawsuit and settlement. That is former NBA, uh, NBA 14-22-69. Former NFL players who suffered from concussions when they were playing, joined a class of people, players, former players, and got money from the NFL to settle any potential lawsuit over whether or not the NFL knew or should have known that their game and the rules in their game would lead to concussions, which would lead to late-in-life disabilities, players taking their lives, don't ever forget about Junior Seau, please. So the NFL entered into a settlement when a class action 
has a settlement, the next item up for bids is who gets what. The NFL is told in its settlement, you're going to put, and I'm making up numbers, you're going to put a billion dollars into a pot. Then there are going to be players who get part of the billion dollars. Do you remember the movie that we watched and talked about with the 9-11 fund where victims of 9-11 and first responders, there was a pot of money and how it got distributed? Michael Keaton led, played the role in that movie as the lawyer, I believe, who was in charge of that. I cannot remember for the life of me what movie it was, but it's the same concept with the concussion settlement. There has to be a system in place, a system without emotion that distributes money to players eligible to receive money from this settlement. Who's in worse shape? If you don't remember what day it is, you get an extra 10 grand. If you can't name your children, is that worth 100 grand? If you don't know where your own bedroom is, is that 250 grand? And how do you know? So there is something called race norming. Now, race norming is a concept that immediately sounds problematic, right? But it's not. Race norming was not racist. What they did and this was not done by the NFL. This was done in a totally robotic, systematic way in order to figure out who gets what. How gaga are you? In order to know how gaga you are, you have to know where you started. There has to be a baseline of intelligence or a baseline of do you know where your bedroom is to begin with? And then how far away are you from that baseline? And is that from concussions? And we are going to give the most money to the people who are the furthest away. Race norming assigns different levels of scores of where you've been because you can't very well interview every single person and say, ooh, you were there, you were there, you were here. Now you're here, there, everywhere. Here's what you'll get. There has to be a system, parameters, boundaries put in place. Word got out about this a few months ago and people lost their minds because the assumption was that race norming was causing minorities to not get a proper share of the concussion settlement because they were unable to prove the gap between where they've been and where they are as easily as white players could. And I did a little segment on that and I told you that while I don't agree with the concept of race norming and saying that someone is where they are simply because of color, race, creed, the reality is you've got to choose something. And what was chosen in the concussion settlement case was chosen by doctors of all colors, by the court, not by the NFL, not by the Players Association. It was done by people who do this for a living. They find a way to take pots of money and split them. They find criteria to use. But it wasn't good enough because the Players Association lost their minds. Rightly so. But what I can't believe is that the NFL was put in a position where they just yesterday agreed to end any race-based adjustments 
in that dementia testing. It's exactly what I explained to you. Those race norming adjustments made it difficult for black retirees to qualify for whatever amount of awards they would get based on that billion dollars being split. And what it means is that the minority players will have a chance now to be retested, to get re-looked at, to show that where they were to where they are is as big as some of the white players, and they will then get more money. The NFL did a statement where they said no race norms or race demographic estimates, whether black or white, shall be used in the settlement program going forward. And this was to settle a lawsuit, a new lawsuit brought on, which was all about this race norming concept. And what bothered me about the lawsuit is not anything other than it wasn't the NFL. And I'm Mr. Cynical, and I'm going to give it to you straight. No BS. Do you think the NFL had a financial reason to do race norming as part of the distribution of the billion dollars? No. When you settle a class action lawsuit and you are forced to pay into the pot, you couldn't give a tinker's damn how that money gets split up because either way, you're in for the billion. If one person gets a billion, that means everyone else gets zero. Say la vie. If you want to give half a billion to two people, good luck. The NFL has no dog in the fight. They have no say. It is being administered by an independent administrator. Court appointed. Like that movie Worth with Michael Keaton. You get appointed to do it and then you do it. But the NFL is in such a position where they're trying so hard to protect their reputation. They're trying so hard to protect their integrity, to be so woke, to be so into gender equality, to end systemic racism. All the things that Roger Goodell wants to be known for, but at the end of the day doesn't really care about or else he'd take a bigger stand against domestic abuse. People who have already been accused, convicted of it. But when it came to the word race, their sensitive antennas went boom, right up in the air and led to this settlement. The number one example of the NFL not caring in real life about all of these issues. What about those emails, Raj? You made John Gruden, John Gruden jump on a grenade because you wanted to protect all of your people and your owners. But when it comes to this, when the money's already decided in the concussion settlements, and these are all players, old players who are going a little gaga, they're dying young. Ah, you only care once the heat gets turned on. Such inconsistency by Goodell, but the consistency is always the same with him and the NFL. It's always just business. Good luck getting the money. It's nothing personal. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.